If you're a lover of Disneyland, holidaying with the kids and living the life of luxury whenever you travel overseas with your family, and you desperately want to know how to break into this niche market for your own travel business, then this is the perfect episode for you. Hey, I'm Steph, and I'm obsessed with all things travel, marketing, branding, and helping you stand out from the crowd. In just under two years, I went from being a home-based travel agent with zero clue how to make it work in the digital world to launching an international ranking travel podcast and creating an online course to help travel agents in lead generation. Here's one thing I know for sure. There has never in the history of the world been a better time to create the travel business you've always wanted. All you need is an actionable strategy and someone to show you the way. Picture this, we're going to spend the next hour of our time together at the Swim Up Pool Bar, where over a cocktail, we deep dive into travel-related topics, mixed with a little classroom training. This show is dedicated to encouraging you to step outside of your comfort zone and into your travel business. I'll show you how I did it and how you can too. Hit subscribe now and let's get into it. If you're a travel agent wanting to stand out in the digital world, but you struggle with consistency, tech isn't your jam and you have no idea where to start, join my free masterclass where I talk about exactly this. Head to stephaniemyers.academy forward slash masterclass. You're listening to Unplug in Paradise, the podcast. Welcome back to Unplug in Paradise. My name is Stephanie Myers, the hostess with the mostess. <laughs> I hope you are having the most beautiful week, as am I. I've been having lots of beautiful conversations and catching up with travel agents this week who are all living, loving, and working inside of their travel niches. Guys, travel agents are the only sector inside of the travel industry who do not actively specialize in a niche. And if they do, they are the ones that are skyrocketing their businesses and they are so uber successful because they are doubling down on what it is that they love to do. So I hope these last few podcast episodes have done exactly that, turned on the fire and cranked it up to 10 because this particular podcast episode, this guest is no different to the other inspirational guests we've had on the show, but we're going to flip the lid on what life is like for Michaela, our special guest of today, whose lifelong passion has made her travel business, La Petite Travel Agency. It is through her very own personal trips that she gets to share her real life firsthand experiences with each and every one of her clients, all with her little travel buddy, her son Cooper, by her side. Together, they go to places that you want to go to and they see the things that you want to see and they road test it out all for you. They can often be seen on Instagram, they document everything and they produce the most engaging content all while building first-hand travel experience along the way. From Iceland to Hawaii, from New York to Paris, Michaela and Cooper have done it all. 
for all the benefit of their clients. So they know that when they book with her, that they have total faith and security in her offerings. So yes, you're going to need a pen (laughs) and a piece of paper or a book or something, because this episode, you are definitely going to want to take notes because it is extra juicy. So if you're ready, let's go over and meet Michaela. I can't wait. Before we begin today's episode, would you please join me while we recognise the generations of the local Aboriginal people of the Bundjalung Nation who have lived in and derived their physical and spiritual needs from the forests, rivers, lakes and streams of this beautiful valley over thousands of years as the traditional owners and custodians of these lands. Welcome to the podcast, Michaela. I am so thrilled that you are able to join us today. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Michaela, you have such an interesting history when it comes to the travel industry, and I'm so keen for us to quickly, just for a moment, rewind the clock and go back in time to where travel first made its way onto your radar. I think it was really as a child, I had parents, or specifically my dad was in um, the diplomatic corps, and my parents had lived overseas, and when I was nine and my sister was 11 my parents made the decision that we would do a round the world trip. So that was the first time I went to Disneyland um, in <laughs> in Los Angeles. And my parents had lived in Canada. So we went there for a white Christmas. And then we went over to Europe and um, London and Amsterdam. And I just was really taken with um, aeroplanes and seeing you know, other countries and specifically, I think seeing other countries that were so much older than ours were and had the historical buildings and, you know, just a little bit different culture or language or food to us. Mm. So really when I was 19 years old, I took off and in a break from uni over um, a a holiday period, I met a a girlfriend of mine that I'd been at school with and we went to Paris together. And that was just, I suppose, the start of it all, a lifelong love affair with Paris in general (laughs) and also just with travel. And so over the years, I've done quite a few solo trips in my 20s to Europe. And then you know, I wasn't the backpacking type. So when I wanted to have a break after I'd finished uni and and was in a graduate program, a girlfriend of mine was a flight attendant and she said, well, why don't you come and fly for a year? And so five years later, I was still (laughs) flying and I'd started on the Dash 8 as a regional flight attendant. I'd gone to long haul to international and really it was just it probably just spoke to me and I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And then I always thought to myself is, you know, when I have a child, I want to introduce them to this amazing big world that's out there. And I suppose I was like a little caged bird that I am one of those people where before I go on a holiday, I have to have the next one planned (laughs) because it's never enough. It's never going to be enough. So um, I did have a lovely career at Qantas. I was not only a flight attendant, but I did the um, cabin interiors, um, which was quite a a big job and and really enjoyed it. And 
when I had my son, that's when uh, the travel agency came to be because I used to get asked a lot of questions. It seemed that people were quite anxious traveling with children, but to me, there was a time in my life when I was probably more at home in the galley of an aircraft than I was in my own kitchen. I think I could find things quicker in an aircraft galley than perhaps I did at home because um, I didn't spend that much time at home. Um, but yeah, so when I had a child, it just seemed a natural progression to me to want to show him the world as well and for him to know um, you know, that, that the world is a very big place but he's very welcome in it. So you know, it was difficult for me becoming a parent that people would say to me, oh, you shouldn't travel with your child when they're too young. They won't remember, mm. you know, and that really didn't sit well with me because it's fascinating what my son remembers. You know, I don't prompt him. Maybe he hasn't seen a photograph. We haven't spoken about something and he'll just come out with something, you know, he's eight now. He might recall something from when he was two or three or four. And I think to myself is, well, he does remember, you know, but I think the big thing for me was that when I'm in the nursing home, I'll remember, you know, <laughs> of all the adventures that I took him on and had with him. And um, yeah, I think, like I said, I think it's a, it's a, it's a lifelong love affair with travel. Mm. And I love that when you take kids away and that whole pure seeing the eyes or seeing the world through their eyes is just such a spectacular thing as a parent. You just know that it's it you are actually igniting that spirit in them to travel when they get older as well. So yeah, absolutely love that. So fast forward to now, Michaela, like what is your what does your business look like in the travel agency world? I think like many travel agents, it's in recovery mode. And I think we're getting very, very busy now that everyone wants to travel again and borders are opening and what have you. But I think it needs to be a cautious time as well because I think not all our knowledge is the same. I think a lot of us had, a, you know, a huge amount of knowledge on destinations or products or, you know, um, really specific kind of um, things like you know, restaurants that you might have recommended or this activity or, you know, um, we may have known exactly how to book something. But in a post-COVID world, that knowledge has to actually be tested you know, really specific things like at the end of this month, I'm going to Hawaii. I think it's essential to get back out there and travel. And it could be as simple as, you know, thinking to yourself, okay, well, I'm just going to do the diamond head hike today. And then actually with Googling it, no, you need to have a pass now that, you know, is not available until say 48 hours before the date that you'd like to do it. You know, it's, that's a really simple change that didn't happen before, mm -hmm. but it's essential because you'd miss out on that activity if you didn't have that new knowledge, you know, of what the requirements were. So I don't think it's as simple as looking at Smart Traveller, making sure you've got the right immunisation certificate or you've filled in the right paperwork. It's about being a, a travel professional in a new world. So it's about being cautious about your recommendations that the places that you may have recommended to go before or, you know, the, the knowledge that you may have built up and shared may not be that accurate now. So whilst we're all busy, 
I think we need to proceed cautiously with the recommendations that we're making because it doesn't mean that everything that we thought was there is still there. Mm, yeah, that contact that you had at that hotel that used to always be able to get you your clients' upgrades exactly. <laughs> has sadly moved on. <laughs> or, or as I've experienced, the hotel is closed. <laughs> so, oh. you know, one of my favourite hotels that um, I've, I've always used in Los Angeles you know, is actually under renovation. Now they took the opportunity closing with COVID, you know, to, to renovate that property. So yeah, those, those favors that you could always ask for or that recommendation that was absolutely solid, Mm. you know, isn't there to utilize at the moment. So I think, you know, this is where, you know, it's open, but to what extent is it open, I think is going to test us in this period. Mm. So in regards to your offerings in your business, like your niche, like who is it that you're most likely serving inside of your nieces being like the luxury style of travel, your uh, traveling with kids and being a Disney expert? So predominantly being in a niche of luxury travel with kids, my, um, my largest clientele that I service is obviously families. And I would say that there's niches within niches Mm. as well, because large families, predominantly families of five, where you've got two adults and three children, there's a real knack to doing that because they don't fit neatly in one room in most hotel occupancies. It doesn't fit neatly in some cars, you know, when you've got luggage added in as well. You know, so aircraft configurations are not always kind when it's like maybe a three, four, three configuration when you've got five (laughs) as well. So, you know, these are all things that with travel with kids, you, you come to understand. And there's a flip side to doing travel with kids as well, which is probably doing adults only travel or seniors travel because you know where kids can't go, you know, so it's, it's a bigger it's a bigger portfolio, I suppose, you know, in that I do general travel as well. Um, but yes, I love Disney. I am a Disney dork. It's such a <laughs> fabulous thing. I think it's just a source of enjoyment for me. I see that my son has loved it over the years. I think it's a timeless um, passion as well. It's an all age enjoyment factor. Where when you go to Disneyland, you know, Disney World, any of the Disney properties, we're off to Aulani, the Disney Resort in Hawaii. There is something for everyone, whether it's I'm just here for the snacks is a phrase that we use a lot at Disney. (laughs) You might not be there for the rides. You might not be there for the characters, you know, but you might be there for the snacks. So, you know, Disney is a huge part of my business as well. But it's something I personally enjoy. I enjoy going there with my son as well. Mm, I think having that uh, early childhood experience with Disney is almost the catalyst to your core business, isn't it? I would definitely say that you're either a Disney person or you're not. You know, I do have clients that want to go to America, that want to go to LA, you know, to go to Universal Studios, or they're not interested in the theme parks at all, you know. But I think we are so isolated in Australia um, that I often just say to people, you're going so far 
you might as well see the maximum of what you can and you just never know if you're going to have a really good time, you know. <laughs> so I, I don't force people to go to Disney, but I certainly recommend it. And particularly if someone's going to Paris, I'm like, you know, there's Paris, Disney, or, oh, why don't you, know, you're going to Japan? Oh, there's Disney. <laughs> so, yeah. Am I that little, you know, am I that little chirpy bird in the background going, oh, Disney's there? <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> So, yes, I love that. And you and your son travel quite often. How many flights has your son been on? Gosh, I, I have to have a look. I think we're at 181 or 82, um, age eight. So it's wow. it's sad to think that he would have got the 200 before age seven if we hadn't have had COVID. Um, but when I years ago when I was a flight attendant, I would have older passengers get on and they would have these old BOAC um, logbooks where they may have had to, you know, to get to Los Angeles, they may have had to go from Sydney to Fiji to Hawaii to San Francisco or to get to London, they would go through the old Bahrain route, you know, with so many stops. And it was just fascinating to see these people get on board the aircraft and ask for the flight crew to fill in these logbooks. So I thought to myself is, well, if you really want to fill in a logbook of your life, you have to start from number one. Mm-hmm. So when I had my son, I created this logbook and I've kept every boarding pass and, you know, he now knows that how many countries he's been to and how many times technically around the globe he's flown. And, you know, I'll pass it over at, I suppose, age 18. And if he wants to continue it, he can. Oh, and if wow. he thinks it's the lamest thing he's ever seen in his life, oh, mum, you're so embarrassing, <laughs> you know, then he can give it up as well. But, you know, I can only say that I would have done my best to record his travels um, and hand that over to him and hope that it's a wonderful thing for him to be able to look back on in life. There has been a close call recently in January when we went back internationally, we went to Fiji just so that I could see what it was like myself. You know, it's one thing to sell someone a ticket or a trip or recommend something, but it was quite another for me to actually go through the process myself, see how hard it was with the PCR tests or, you know, going through the check-in line four hours in advance and seeing that there wasn't a whole lot going on, you know, in terms of restaurants or shops at the airport and and going overseas myself and we actually forgot the logbook for the first time ever all I can tell you is thank goodness that we were going four hours early to the airport because we could actually turn around go back get the logbook come back (laughs) and have still plenty of time to check in so it was a close call on the good old logbook there Um, but luckily we had the time to go back and get it so yes it's um it's definitely a piece of history in our family Oh, I absolutely love that. I think there's so much to be said around bringing travel as part of like your family history and that will become like a Bible later on for him. Like he's going to look back and have so many beautiful memories. We also collect um, every country I've ever been to from when I went on my first solo trip, you know, as in my early teens, like late teens, early 20s, I actually collect Christmas ornaments from every country that I go to. Oh, wow. so when I put my tree up at the end of each year, I put those ornaments up and it's more meaningful now with my son as well. 
that I put those up and we can talk about that we went to that country together and you know it's a it's I think Christmas for me Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year and um you know being able to put that Christmas tree up and seeing where we've been together in life and remember is really special as well so yeah that's magical I feel like if you were to like host a trip for your clients I think there'd be so many people that would want to come with you because I just feel like you've got that magic and you just well, want to share it with everyone. Well, that's what Disney's all about is the magic. So. <laughs> and I know that we've said in a previous conversation, Michaela, about your content strategy. Can you share a little bit about that with us? I just either decided or learnt early on in the business that I wanted to or could control my own content. I'm not disparaging anyone that may be with a travel group that has a marketing department that supplies tiles for Instagram or material that people can use. But I think that people don't understand so much the cost or the value of content. So in terms of my Instagram account, I look at a trip with my son and I as a cost of content so that when I'm posting on Instagram or I'm taking photos that I can use on my Instagram, my Facebook, in any of my advertising material, you know, website or what have you, is that is all content that I can use but more so it's personalized content, it's targeted to my audience. And actually, you know, sales come off the back of those trips. So when I might go somewhere with my son and I'm saying, you know, we're we're at this resort or we're doing this activity or in this country or we're doing this, you know, the DMs do flow in and the questions come, well, you know, can you book this trip for me? That looks amazing. I'd love to do that. You know, um, it could be, you know, domestically when we weren't allowed to travel, we did Uluru and we went on the camels, you know, and, you know, we did the, um, we did the, the, the lights at night and, you know, we went to Hayman Island and Hamilton Island and we've just been to Fiji and we're off to Hawaii at the end of this month. You know, they're all very valuable business assets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yes, we get to go on a trip. So I increase my knowledge, my supplier network, my, you know, stakeholder group as well. Um, the people that you meet, you can call on, you know, there's favours to be had there, but more so there's actual content to be had that you can use in a personal way that no one else has. Mm. So I think with the content being so personalised and basically it's putting your travellers or your audience in in your shoes while you're away, I think that's absolutely Uh, so smart. (laughs) The only real probably growth perspective that I've had in terms of that is I did used to think that perhaps everyone just wanted to see my son. So I used to just predominantly post things about my son. But because I'm a single mother as well, I 
you know, and there was a campaign at one stage which really probably resonated personally with me, which mm-hmm. was get mums back in photos. Because yes. normally as the mum, you're the one taking the photo and you're not necessarily in the photo. So I probably had a personal turning point at one stage where I started taking a lot more photos of my son and I Mm -hmm. and posting those so that, you know, perhaps mums or parents in general, particularly single parents, you know, traveling with a child could see that we have a really good time together and that it is a special time for us you know, as, as a small family. And yes, so I suppose I've evolved my content over the years from just my child, having these adventures to us having them as an actual family together. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to pop in to invite you to my free masterclass where I'll be sharing my exact three-step system to building a rockstar personal brand that attracts your dream clients into your database so you can step up into your travel biz, own your authority and grow your online presence. And not only that, but you'll also get your hands on my entire travel agent runway framework for standing out in the digital world without the tech overwhelm and not knowing where to start. Want in? Head to stephaniemyers.academy forward slash masterclass and save your spot now. See you there. Mm. Yeah, I think that goes a long way because not only are you showcasing what's possible in your own service and your own offerings, but also what's possible in the world of travel when you are traveling with kids because there's so many families and I know uh, just from my experience in the travel industry is that not everyone considers an overseas trip a possibility when you have kids like they just think oh gosh that is just way too scary way too hard uh yeah not likely <laughs> I think I'm I'm almost the anti-travel agent or anti-sales person I'm sometimes honest to a fault where I don't you can sell a dream you can sell an Instagram life but when I actually talk to people I try to be honest in how bad it can be sometimes there was a sweet spot of travel I always talk about the lovely sweet spot of 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 my son being four months old and I think if anyone's going to take a trip in their maternity leave I would say four months is this amazing sweet spot where you haven't broken them they haven't broken you and you know (laughs) bottle or boob they don't know how to roll yet you know they sleep quite a lot white noise and motion on an aircraft is your friend, you know, so you can actually get quite a lot done in terms of traveling with the baby at that point in time. Um, Then there was probably the worst time of my travel life that I talk about. I distinctly remember when he was about 13 months, all we did was go to New Zealand. And look, I was very blessed and I was in business class in a life lap bed But all my son wanted to do was walk up and down, practice walking. And when I say he pushed people's buttons, he literally pushed every single button on every single seat (laughs) as we walked down the aisle. And I thought this is going to be a murder-suicide. Like whatever happens, we're both going together. I don't know who's going first, but we're going together on the aircraft, you know. And I just thought to myself, I just, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe I've, maybe I I've made a mistake. Like this is the worst moment of my life and it's only three hours long. How am I ever going to make it back to Europe? How am I going to make it back to America? Like I thought at 13 months it was all over. You know? <laughs> and then at 22 months we had another go and we went back to New York and 
I do like when I visit the east coast of America, I do tend to go through the Middle East. I do prefer to have the two long flights rather than having to transit and mm-hmm. change onto a domestic airline or, or aircraft. Um, and, you know, we went and all of a sudden this being that didn't care about electronic devices, didn't care, you know, to sit for too long, suddenly at 22 months he discovered um, earphones were okay and, you know, at the time it was the wiggles or, you know, what have you on the DVD and all of a sudden he would sit there for a little while and I thought, oh, gosh, okay, I think we're through this, you know. (laughs) We're back on track, you know, my life is coming back. (laughs) So, you know, there was that awkward period and what's really interesting is I always talk about the myth of the bassinet you know I think people become way too obsessed with the bassinet I don't think people especially when they have a baby plus a toddler understand that traditionally the um, airline the aircraft seats that are in that first bulkhead aisle where the bassinet are the arms don't go up so you've got this toddler who you can't put the armrests up, that they, they can't get comfortable. You know, you've got this baby in this bassinet. You know, those bassinets, having done airline interiors, trust me, I know how big they are. And when someone says to me, oh, my child is, um, you know, 22 months, you know, and I don't want to buy a ticket for them, but I'd like the bassinet. And, you know, I just have to talk to them about, I don't think this is going to go so well for you. You know, um, people talk about premium economy. Again, people don't realise that premium economy um, doesn't suit small children so well because you can't put the arms up. The seat doesn't go back. Sometimes you're just better off in economy where the child can lie across you Mm -hmm. for 12 hours of your life, you know, um, but they go to sleep and they stay asleep. You know, you might not, um, but they (laughs) certainly will. So, you know, it's live and learn and I suppose that's awesome. So, you know, a premise of my business is speaking with authority. Because I do, I can tell others. So I can tell them all the rookie errors that I made. Um, You know, I talk about Day of the Zombie to parents as well, where when you were young and fancy free and you got to London at six o'clock in the morning after two days of travel and you haven't had a shower, oh yeah, you're just going to walk around that city and enjoy yourself until three o'clock in the afternoon, which is check-in time. But when you've got a child and that child is beyond tired or the child might've slept and you haven't, and you've now got to, you know, try and be a parent to that child, you know, for the whole day when that hotel doesn't want to give you that hotel room. You know, this is what I talk about with people is sometimes, you know, you just have to throw money at the problem and Mm -hmm. you have to pay that extra money and book the hotel room from the night before so that you can walk straight into that room, have a nap, have a shower, everyone chills out for a little bit. You know, these are experiences that I've had and I've learned from and I try and share, you know, with my clients. Mm. And I think with what we were saying before in a in another conversation, Michaela, is that if there was anybody like out there in the travel industry, like travel advisors that were looking to perhaps specialize with traveling with kids or, you know, looking at that luxury high end side of things like this is the sort of stuff that they need to be thinking about. I think travel with kids, I would say I'm not saying you have to have children, but it certainly is an advantage 
because you can be extremely empathetic to someone with a child. When I was a young flight attendant, I had nieces, I liked children, but until it's your child that is screaming for hours on end in a metal tube at 40,000 feet for 12 hours with another (laughs) 300 people who would like you to step out onto the left wing, you know, you don't know what it's really like, you know. So I think, you know, like I said, you can, I'm not saying you have to have children to specialize in travel with kids, but there is a a big difference between having empathy for it and having done it and experienced it yourself, you know, so that you can personally speak to it rather than come from a place of recommending something that you think would be good, but you don't actually know a hundred percent yourself because you tested it out. You know, I think if you're specializing in a niche um, like, um, say, you know, um, mature travel, I think you can have empathy when you're thinking about mobility issues. You can understand that a person that is on a walker or in a wheelchair can't do a big stage coach kind of tour because it's um it's prohibitive mobility prohibitive for them to even climb onto the ca- um, the coach and off the coach you know so i think that's a little bit of a different situation where that's that's something that you can have empathy for mm-hmm. um you know but until you've spent a huge amount of money like i have to take your child to Copenhagen, to or via <laughs> Dubai, Atlantis, the Palm. Then let's go to the Ice Hotel in Sweden and oh, see the, um, the, the see the um, Viking ships in Oslo. <laughs> and then let's pop over Iceland and see a geyser. And let's take you, you know, to Roland Garros to the French Open. And let's have lunch on the Eiffel Tower at the Jules Verne, you know, restaurant, Alandjukas. And then let's go via London on the way home to Hamley's Toy Shop and through Singapore. And after spending all that five weeks of time, effort and money asking you what your highlight was, son. And he says, well, the pool was pretty good. (laughs) Until you've done that, you don't really know. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. And yeah, I can definitely attest to that. It's um, it's always the spa baths. The spa baths were cool, and yeah. it's like we were in the spa bath for like ten minutes tops because, a, you were either too noisy, and you know, or b, you were too disruptive. And I just thought, okay, I'm pulling the plug on this. Let's go. <laughs> I think the same can be said for luxury travel, though, as well. I think it's very, very difficult if you haven't been able to experience the levels of luxury that your clients are asking for you to recommend, Mm -hmm. um, it's very difficult if you haven't experienced some of these properties or if you have never flown in business or first class before to know the actual difference. You know, and this is why for mills are so important to to travel agents and um, I think – you know, experiencing the actual products that you're recommending, you may need to spend some of your hard-earned income on taking some of these trips Mm. that you are selling because 
you know, these people want to know the ins and outs of these products and there's only so much that you can say if you've seen it on the internet or you've read it in a brochure or someone else has told you about it without really experiencing it yourself. You know, sometimes it's very hard to sell it to someone, you know. Mm, mm. And I think the travel industry, like we rely so much on websites for social proofing like uh, TripAdvisor for example a lot of people tend to turn to TripAdvisor okay cool well this is what you know a thousand other people said about the hotel but is that going to be suitable like you still don't know and people only ever really document their negative experiences so the likelihood of somebody documenting a positive experience definitely outweighs that so we've definitely got to be careful and be mindful and yeah put the investment into it and I think now more than ever I think travel agents are going to do just that because we are setting the prerequisite now that we're heading out into the new travel in the into the new world of travel. The TripAdvisor example is a really really good one because I think you have to put context around these reviews and you don't know who these people are. Mm. You don't know, you, it might say their age or it might say who they were with. But I always think of one particular example. And look, like you said, you're not really going to read the five stars. Everyone goes for the one star. We all know that we do it, you know. <laughs> and I just remember these two specific reviews on Atlantis the Palm. It's an expensive property to visit, but it is one of my favorites in terms of traveling with children. Um, but I remember these two specific TripAdvisor one-star reviews. So the first one was, ah, oh, it was terrible. We couldn't even get into the property because the security was so um, difficult to get through um, and they just won't let anyone in there except hotel guests. I'm like, I'm paying $600 US a night. I don't want you in there. That's the yes. best review I've ever read because the context of reading that is actually you're not – paying the money that I'm paying. So you shouldn't be able to come into the resort like mm. I should be. So mm. you know what? Five stars for that review, <laughs> which was a one-star review. The other one I remember about um, Atlantis the Palm, oh, it was shocking. We were there on our honeymoon and there was kids everywhere enjoying themselves. I'm like, I travel with children. <laughs> That's a brilliant <laughs> review you just told me it's full of families having an amazing time so whilst it was a one-star review for your honeymoon destination because you probably should have been at an adults only resort in the Maldives <laughs> and not at a family resort in Dubai this is what I'm saying is those two one-star terrible reviews of Atlantis the Palm translated to two five-star reviews to me which actually you know, sold me on the idea of I definitely want to take my child to this resort. <laughs> this has got great security and they're going to have a great time. <laughs> it's like I'm sold. When are we oh, going? Exactly. One star <laughs> reviews sold. Apparently every single person who looks at TripAdvisor looks at it at the exact same way as you, you do. <laughs> oh, I just think not, and this is the whole thing about being a travel advisor. You know, I use the word travel agent, travel advisor, you know, interchangeably, but perhaps the word advisor would more suit someone who can speak with authority, who has mm -hmm. spent the time, the effort, the money to do these, you know, trips to get this firsthand experience, you know, but you know, to be able to actually tell someone what your own experience was like 
I think that is a different terminology. That is an advisor. You're giving your own personal advice on your own experience, you know. Mm, I love that you see it as an investment because as travel agents and small business owners, it's really hard to justify costs when we're spending money on our businesses. We definitely see it as, oh, the business should be making us money, let alone instead of us spending money on it. So I really love that perspective. And I I think that's, you know, tied back to the conversation that we had about content is, you know, if you're building a website and you're purchasing someone else's pictures, you know, if you invested in that knowledge trip, you know, it's a double whammy because you get, you know, the, the, the content as well. Speaking of content, how can we binge on your content, Michaela? Where can we find you online? Well, you can predominantly it's Instagram. I think everyone likes to follow stories and look at pictures. So we're at La Petite Travel Agency on Instagram and that feeds the Facebook page as well. But yes, we're off to Hawaii at the end of the month. So anyone that has been wanting to, I call it Team Hawaii. Once you're on Team Hawaii, you don't normally come off. Um, (laughs) So anyone that would like to join Team Hawaii on Instagram, follow along. We'll be going to Aulani, the Disney resort, to have a look at the changes there. They have a, a wonderful kids club in Auntie's house, but it does have a lot of restrictions on it now. Um, Then we'll be spending some time in Waikiki. I am a prolific shopper. So, um, you know, anyone that would like to follow me along and and have a bargain in the meantime, you are most welcome on the Instagram um, account. But um, yes, so you can find us predominantly on Instagram. Beautiful. And I'll make sure that all of Michaela's details are located in the show notes. Michaela, you've got some exciting news that is happening later on in the year. Can you share a little bit about that? Um, Well, we've taped the Travel with Kids podcast as well. And I think, you know, there's some really exciting episodes in there. One on Africa. I think Africa is such a polarizing um, destination for people with children there's a safety aspect. People talk about, oh, you should really take the kids when they're a bit older. But that episode explores that actually the younger the child's age, probably the better, you know, to get to Africa. There is an expiry date on some of these animals as well. It's a hard conversation to have, but it's 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 real. Um, and also, you know, when kids get older, it's more about their friends and about I don't have Wi-Fi in this area and I can't connect to TikTok you know, and when the kids are younger and so true. in the middle of nowhere looking at, you know, elephant poo, they're having a much better time, you know, living the Lion King dream. Um, but, you know, we'll do topics such as, you know, things like Club Med. I think people, the all-inclusive holiday is um, is an ideal for a lot of people, whether or not it's going to suit them, you know. So we explore lots of topics like that. And we will have some episodes on Disney, of course. Yes. All the hints and tips. I think, you know, I often talk about Disney as um, throwing money at the problem. And I always say there's two types of people that go to Disney. There's the planners like myself or someone who has an agent like me who does the planning for them. Um, And then there's the other people who go to Disney um, having an argument, um, screaming at each other. I would top out at 21 rides a day. They probably manage six at best. 
um, because they just don't know that the the way to do things, you know, the that things can be easier with knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I definitely think Disney hints and tips goes a long way for people who are going to spend that money on that once in a lifetime trip with their kids. Yeah, for sure. Well, we will definitely be tuning in when that launches, Michaela. Can't wait for that. I well, just want to thank you so much for your time today. I'm so excited to bring your business out into the world and also showcase the possibilities of working and traveling with kids uh, and that it is definitely a possibility to, you know, create that content and work that into your niche and make it work for you as opposed to it being the other way around. So I absolutely love that about your business that you've created and we'll definitely be tuning in and following your trip to Eilani. Thank you. having you along with us yes thanks Michaela I will look forward to chatting to you soon Thank you so much, Michaela, for joining us on the show. It was so awesome to have you on. If you are wanting to download an online version of today's show notes, you can head over to travelbystephanie.com.au forward slash 48 to find out how Michaela turned her obsession with Disneyland into a business and is now a luxury family travel specialist. It is a true testament really for not just Michaela specializing in her travel niche, But for all the travel gurus out there who have been individually picked for the Find My Travel Guru platform, which, if you haven't heard of it before, is a platform dedicated specifically to showcasing the highest level of skill and expertise for agents inside of their travel niche. And it's kind of like the inner circle for agents and consumers who seek someone with that high level of expertise in travel. So if you haven't checked it out yet, I'll leave the website in the show notes as well. And I know Jeanette is working behind the scenes so hard developing an epic new website for you as well. So stay tuned for that. Also, if you are a travel agent and you are interested in learning how you could potentially niche down in your business and really be known for what it is that you're good at, develop your online personal brand in the process and all the things that go hand in hand and how to implement it all and make it happen. I would love to invite you to my free masterclass to steal my three-part travel agent runway framework and how you can stand out in the digital world. If you want to sign up, head over to stephaniemyers.academy forward slash masterclass and I'll pop the link inside the show notes too. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider subscribing to Unplug in Paradise on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you're feeling extra generous, feel free to give me a five-star rating and review. Love reading the reviews out. So if you do leave one, I will definitely be reading it out in the next couple of weeks. So get onto it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, see ya. Bye. (laughs) 